You're listening to the Unlocking Business Growth Podcast with Nola Heal. Nola has over 30 years of experience in financial and operations management for companies around the world. As a part-time CFO, she's dedicated to working with businesses of all sizes to create sustainable growth and amplify strategy. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Mickey Kennedy, founder of eReleases. Mickey founded eReleases more than 23 years ago to help small businesses, authors, and startups increase their visibility and credibility through press release marketing. He lives in the Baltimore area. Welcome, Mickey. Thank you for joining us today. When you started, you'd identified an urgent need for small businesses to be able to access the media and national newswire, but with a bit of a personal touch. Can you start us off with some background? Take us back to what you were doing and what got you started. So I was a recent uh, graduate from uh, a creative writing program and I had started working at a telecom startup. I was employee number three. And one of the things, because I had a writing background was they said, you need to write our press releases. So I would write and send out press releases through fax. And we were getting a lot more people, um, journalists who would contact us and say, hey, I received your, your facts. You publish a lot of numbers and statistics. Could you email that to me? And so I mentioned it to my boss and he's like, oh, email does seem a lot better than faxing. And uh, <laughs> I spent the next year uh, contacting journalists and asking them if I could email them press releases and started e-releases as a little side business um, now a little over 23 years ago. And uh, over time, the PR Newswire reached out to me and said, you should also include PR Newswire distribution to your clients. And as I pointed out, they charge like $1,000 to send a press release out nationally. And we were charging just two to $300. So um, they looked at our customer base. These are small businesses, entrepreneurs, authors, speakers, um, you know, professionals. And so they're not large volume clients. They're not big you know, pocket clients. So the Newswire came up with a a relationship that worked and was a win-win. So all of our releases go out nationally through PR Newswire at substantially cheaper than going through the Newswire directly. And plus you still get that email distribution that we've always provided as well. Oh, that's so fantastic. What an awesome niche to identify. And absolutely, I mean, I've been involved with lots of very large, very small companies, and there's tremendous value in having an ability to access something like that. So can you tell us a bit about e-releases? What do you do for the clients? And do you work with big and small clients or who's your general customer? Our general customer are entrepreneurs, small startups. Um, We work with about... um, yeah, maybe 30, 40% of the people that appear on Shark Tank, um, they're small startups. Uh, we're very fortunate that the producers of Shark Tank recommend us because awesome. a lot of their clients have had good experiences with us, like Squatty Potty and Manscaped and, and uh, you know brands that people might recognize. And so um, we might have a little bit larger, medium-sized customer now and then, but most of them are are smaller businesses, less than, you know, 25 employees. Um, They might be uh, either pre-revenue or doing, you know, $5 million or less in business. Um, There might be the outlier, but that's who we generally serve um, are are these entrepreneurs, these people. And what we do is we uh, advise them through the process 
Um, if they want advice about looking at a press release they're considering sending out, we'll do that, make suggestions. Um, we do offer a writing service, but most of the people uh, realize that a press release is not extremely difficult to write. Um, they're very basic. The real important thing is to try to be strategic with what you're sending out and what the message is ultimately, not how it was written. Um, uh, I, I've done a 180 there because when I started, I thought having an impeccable, professional, perfectly written press release was the goal. And I found a lot of those don't work and you have to be a little more strategic. And uh, the, the media is a little more forgiving of a perfectly written press release if the message is really something that they want to share with their readers. Um, at the end of the day, journalists are gatekeepers. And if what you're sending is interesting and potentially captivating to their readers or audience, they're going to share it with them. Makes a lot of sense. So it's the strategy and the message rather than the actual English and 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 way it's written and and right. laid out. You don't want to have it riddled with misspellings and being improper use of English or anything. But that being said, you don't have to overthink it and feel like you have to be an English major to write it. You really don't. Um, you know, Microsoft Word does a pretty good job of catching most mistakes that people make. And it, that's often, you know, all you need. Uh, it, at the end of the day, it's what it is that you're getting out there. And if the story is really, really interesting, the, the media will respond in kind. Interesting. So do you find that you provide guidance to clients in terms of things like readability and level or to which they, they write, you know, putting in a lot of complex jargon, that type of thing? Do you have we, we do We do advise them to write for your audience. And so if you are releasing a product that's very technical and that information is going to be very relevant to who you're trying to reach, it might make sense to include some of that. But if you're wanting to say, we have a very technical piece of equipment, but we're just trying to get it to consumers in a way that it's understandable to them, you want to you know, completely eliminate that jargon as much as possible. So identifying who the audience is, that your message that you want to send out will definitely make a, a, a huge indicator of the complexity of language and jargon that you should be including. Oh, that's really valuable. So what value um, does PR bring for businesses? Is there particular advice you give to clients or reasons right. you encourage people to, to go the PR direction? Well, it, it's a huge credibility boost um, when you get a, a media mention on, an, uh, an, say, an important trade publication or newspaper or magazine or something like that. That's a huge credibility indicator. You can take that, share it with your audience, your social media. Um, hey, here's a link to we just got picked up in this publication. Um, you can also share that with your leads. And so leads who might be on the fence of, I don't know about this company, they see uh, that you know you, you you were mentioned in the trade publication they, that gives them a, a a little bit more relief and it makes that conversion to an actual customer a lot easier. Um, also, people can find you through um, the the content. Um, a lot of this content's online now, and a lot of people will discover you. And even if there's no link directly to your website, if your company is mentioned in an article about you, um, you will often find people will do a Google search and then go and uh, to your website. And what we find is a lot of times they are ready to buy. 
Um, it's rare that someone reads a, a story, goes to the website, and then says, now I should try to price shop it. They're like, no, I want to deal with this company that I just read about. So um, it, it definitely is, has a much higher conversion rate from uh, even paid traffic. So it's a, it's a really big uh, boost if you can get those media mentions. And the thing about the uh, PR is the ability of leverage. Um, for just a few hundred dollars, you can get your message out. And if it's very successful, you can get dozens and dozens of articles about you. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we, we did a press release during the pandemic for an initiative to help uh, restaurants that were closed at the time. And um, it was based on uh, the war bond initiative. They called it dining bond initiative. It was a very short lived project, but it got over a hundred articles written about it based wow. off of one press release, uh, New York times, wall street journal, all the food trade publications. It was something that at a time there was a lot of negative news, a lot of unknown. And here was something substantial that you could help in your local community the restaurants that were closed down. So it was hugely successful, did millions of dollars in revenue for just one press release. And that's like a, an example of like wide leverage that you can get through just one press release. Most successful press releases get six to eight articles written about them. And I often tell my clients that you should build a campaign of six to eight press releases, each of them strategically different. You don't want to send the same message with a slightly tweaked headline. You want to have eight different concepts that you're sending out. And generally, uh, if they're strategic, you should tee two or three of those releases get um, articles written about them. You're not going to have everyone that gets uh, you know, media pickup. If it was easy, there wouldn't be PR firms and publicists charging many tens of thousands of dollars because it takes work. But that being yeah. said, there's nothing stopping a small business or an entrepreneur from coming up with six to eight strategic press releases and doing their own PR campaign and enjoying success. And that's something that I help my clients do all the time. Um, I created a, a, a masterclass uh, that's less than an hour that basically goes through um, eight strategies that uh, almost anyone can implement for building a strategic press release. And um, I, I, I created it free for my customers, but if anyone wants to check it out, uh, I would recommend that you listen to it because it's less than an hour and it will give you really strong ideas for doing a press release. And you may feel that you're not newsworthy, but this will definitely make you newsworthy if you listen to it and implement it. And you can find that at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And like I said, it's completely free. I'm not in the paid course business or anything like that. I'm all about educating people and trying to get people to succeed so that when they are ready to do a press release that they will consider e-releases. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm definitely going to link that up on the show notes page because that is tremendous value for small businesses, almost just for those who don't know what to do to figure out how to even get started to right. Spark the creative juices since there's so many of us that are analytical or something and just really don't know what to do. So how do clients know where to start or what ideas to implement in terms of, of PR? So many people look at what they're doing right now that's important to the company and then try to do a press release about it. And that mm -hmm. works some of the time. You have a new product release that you know, it's worth mentioning uh, to the media. Um, you, you have a new initiative or a new hire. So you do a press release about them. Unfortunately, uh, especially 
HR and hiring related press releases, they don't do very well. You might get a local newspaper to pick you up and you might get like a small trade publication mentioned, you know, on the move section in there where they have little tiny sections about this person moved to this company. And so I would just advise someone if you're doing a hiring press release to just send it directly to your local newspaper and to the trade publications that you feel would be a good match uh, rather than use a paid service because sending out a press release is expensive. And Mm -hmm. if best case scenario, you're looking at a couple of pickups, that's, you know, that's not your best use of your money. Um, I would tell people to, you know, looking to do strategic uh, releases, I have uh, the one that always works for anybody who says, I don't think this is going to work for me, is to do a survey or study. And anybody can do a survey or study. Um, You can partner with a small trade association. Don't make the mistake of going to the large trade associations. They're big. They don't want to talk with you. But the small ones don't get a lot of love. So if you go to them and say, hey, I've got this survey. I'd love to share it with your members and p- do a press release about it. And I'll mention you in the press release, uh, you know, that uh, the survey was conducted of your members. A lot of them see it as a win-win. They get some PR and publicity about it and you get access to their members. So you send the press, uh, the survey out. It's usually just a link through uh, a, we- a survey monkey or Google forms or something like that. And they share it with their members. They may share it with social media. You get the results. And then you publish a press release about what results were most interesting. Now, it's really important you spend a little bit of time focusing on what questions to ask. Um, Try to think about right now, let's take a snapshot of my industry and what's going on with it. Uh, With the pandemic and other things that have been going on, right now might be a good time to determine whether people are um, planning on spending more on marketing or less. Uh, Do they plan on hiring more people or stay the same or are they considering layoffs? And so that's really important right now. So if you publish a survey in your industry that took a snapshot today, that'd be really relevant right now to the media. So a lot of the media would say, my audience would like to know what the, the, the responses to this is. And I always say to throw in one or two oddball questions in a survey. Uh, sometimes they can go really viral. Uh, we did a auto repair shop in Pennsylvania. They came to me and said, I know there's no way you can get media attention for me. And I said, tell me about yourself. And it was like, I was like, yep, there's not much newsworthy going on with you, but have you considered doing a survey? And so they partnered with the Independent Trade Association of other auto repair shops. And we did a question that said, what's the strangest thing a customer left in their car while being repaired? And uh, it was not statistically relevant because almost every response was written in a little anecdote. But the, the media loved it. Uh, newspapers oh, yeah. loved it. Auto trade publications loved it. They got a lot of links. And that's what their goal was. They were looking for improved SEO. And so uh, it was a new website they had. And they were looking for these links. And they said, our SEO guy said, you're the guy to talk to about press releases and PR. And I'm like, yeah, let's give it a shot. And they did very well. Uh, within three months, they were ranking number one for the key terms that they were looking for. And they ended up getting, I would say, almost 20 articles written about it, including their local newspaper as well. That is so phenomenal. You're right. An oddball question that's just almost a a general appeal. I mean, we, I think we would all be fascinated to find out what is the craziest thing that somebody does or leaves in a vehicle or or whatever. I think some of the most interesting questions that I've seen in my past, and I always tell people who are starting out in journalism and PR is to pick up uh, 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 
or look online at the cover of Cosmopolitan, they have questions and little responses that make you want to thumb through and immediately find out what the answer to it is. Uh, what is four out of five things that every woman really wants or something like that? And you're like, I don't know what that is. I so don't know. It, it really piques your interest. So if you can sort of come up with some questions that do that, uh, you will make your, your survey and the results from your survey very irresistible to your industry. What? That is fantastic advice, I must admit. And, and probably quite fun for you to conduct the survey yourself because you get these results and think, hmm, I'm interested to see what's going to come out of this. I do love brainstorming with uh, customers who just feel like this isn't going to work because sometimes uh, they have the best responses and, and the success that they get is, is really phenomenal. Uh, but there's lots of things like that that so many people don't think about. Uh, there's no rules on who's the source of something. And so this auto repair shop in Pennsylvania was not an expert in anything in the industry, but yet they could they could author a survey and study and get it out there. And as a result, they were able to get those links back to their website. That's fantastic. Now, I understand you're actually a poet, and yet you have learned to use cutting-edge technology to innovate and scale. So how do you cross the divide on something like that? How did you actually manage to learn these exciting things? Well, uh, when I started at a telecom startup, uh, I had to do everything. And I worked on their website as well, learning HTML. And so I've always been interested in technology. And I was always an early adopter of new things like a computer oh. and stuff like that. So there's always been an interest there. And I feel like I'm pretty good at figuring things out and trying to look at workflows and how processes can be improved and things like that. So uh, it's always been there an interest of mine. And it just sort of collided that being creative and sort of technically inclined worked out for me. That's absolutely fantastic. So do you find that the creative side has a good connection into analytical skills? Or do you usually find either in yourself or in, in peers that those two can collide and be difficult for people? I think they tend to be difficult. And for me, they weren't very easy, but they're something that it's like a muscle. If you exercise it over time, you get better. Um, I am not a finance guy or uh, someone who can really pour over numbers and statistics easily, but I do that now looking at my business, looking at my advertising and marketing, which I still handle myself. I will look at the numbers, the conversion rates. I'll look at landing pages. So I have definitely strengthened that, that skill set. And over time, you can continue to do that. And I just tell people to start small and just try to get better and try to learn. The good thing about marketing and online marketing is, sure, there's marketing schools, but most of them are not spending a huge amount of time talking about online and digital marketing. That's mostly in the real world. And so the experts in online and digital marketing have only been doing it for at most probably 20, 25 years, and many of them less than 10 years. So there's no reason that you can't get out there, be a sponge and learn as much as you can and sort of stand your own against other, other, other professionals that are out there. Um, I always say hire 
outside your expertise, but I also believe in challenging yourself to learn a little bit more and handle some of the stuff yourself. And that's why I always tell people that come to me, they're just like, well, you're, you don't handle everything. You're not uh, like a PR firm. And I'm like, that's absolutely true because my price point is trying to serve the small entrepreneur, the small business who can't afford, you know, $10,000 a month to a PR firm or even six to $8,000 a month, you know, for $6,000, you could create a really great PR campaign for two years using a service what? like e-releases. And that's like one monthly payment to a PR firm. And so that's the real difference of, of handling it yourself. And, you know, if, if, if it's something that you feel not comfortable writing the initial press release, you can certainly have us write it for you. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm all about making it easy for you to DIY and figure out what works and uh, try to you know, strategically develop ideas and hooks and see what the media responds to. And if they don't, you do six to eight strategic releases, it happens where nothing really comes of it, then maybe you shelve PR for now. And if something important comes up or you have a really great idea for a new survey or study, then you can consider that. But that being said, I've never had a client that I've uh, coached through a survey or study, not get media attention. It's never happened. Fantastic. Uh, so it, it always succeeds. So if, if, if someone said they had done six to eight strategic releases and it hadn't worked out, I would turn them right back to let's work on a survey and study. And even if you had done one in the past that didn't work, what could we do right now that would make it really fascinating and uh, tantalizing to your industry? And I, I think that you can accomplish that by asking the right questions. Oh, that is phenomenal. And I, quite honestly, I would think that there's the possibility for your particular client niche that to do one of those big PR firm $6,000 a month kind of programs is so pressurized that it actually loses its fun and appeal as well. And what I've certainly seen in this area is the more the company is enjoying what they're doing and the results they're getting from it, the better the results can sometimes be because people aren't under the duress that they they feel with those big firms and all their flashy, fancy stuff that they keep coming at you with. Right. So yeah. that's pretty awesome. So now when you started, you pretty much rolled out the red carpet and I guess still do for clients of any size and any budget. Now, did that not land you running ragged with a ton of work and just running in circles or how did you manage that aspect of it well it's challenging because we're we're working with people who may only do one or two releases a year and so it's really low volume and you spend a lot of time cultivating them and getting them to become a customer and the lifetime value isn't very strong because they're just not doing a lot of releases um but at the end of the day I just look at my mission of helping entrepreneurs, small businesses, uh, authors, um, you know, get access to the media and that energizes me. And so as long as I'm in the mode of help and helping people out, I, I, I you know, I don't care that they're not like, you know, spending a thousand dollars a year or something like that. Um, I just want them to be comfortable with PR. I want them to give it a shot commit to a PR campaign of six to eight releases and uh, take some of the lessons that I've given 
and 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 see that PR can work for them. Uh, it's always exciting when someone uh, gets major media attention. They might get like a dozen or or fifteen articles written about them because it, it's really cool. And uh, for just a little bit of money, they've got all this attention. And sometimes it results in uh, a big increase in sales. Sometimes it doesn't. But what it does is gives them this credibility indicator that they can then share with their users, share with their customers, share with their leads, build a, uh, a page on their website with their press releases, their media mentions and things like that. It, it definitely makes it so much easier. Um, I, I, as I told someone once, I was on a website and I wasn't sure I felt comfortable putting my credit card in. And I noticed they had a newsroom and I clicked on it and I'm like, they had done all these press releases. No fraudulent company is going to go through the effort of building a legacy of all of these media announcements or something like that. So I felt very comfortable. And I said to myself, I bet there's a lot of people who maybe not even consciously aware of it will look at a person's website and they'll see a news section and they'll learn a little bit about them and the history of them uh, uh, with the evolution of their press releases and announcements and stuff like that. And it is a credibility indicator. It makes them feel more comfortable that this is a company that's serious about who they are and defining themselves in the marketplace. Makes a lot of sense because nowadays, I mean, we're all inclined to be very suspicious of things. Hey, I mean, look at all the fraudulent messages we we get and the phishing and spam things that we get. So a lot of people, that spidey sense is active all the time to say, um, let me think about this and, and be careful. Whereas if there are signs that this company's great and, you know, I mean, that's that's a, a, a good comment there, I must admit. So from the perspective of running a business that is working for a variety of small companies like this, do you find there any tools and tricks that help? Like, are you able to systematize or use define, uh, you know, templates to get you started on streamlining some of the stuff to handle it all? Because I'm sure you don't actively want to turn clients and prospects away if they come to you in bubbles, which is inevitably the case. Sure. You know, it's feast and famine. <laughs> right. So, um, I think two of the things that we've implemented in the business that helps a lot is we use a, um, a piece of software called Text Expander, where we have templates for a lot of stuff. Awesome. And so in the office, they answer the same questions again and again. So we have these templates that we utilize um, for getting the messaging out. It still allows That's you to great. customize it. And, yes. it, you know, and, and modify it a little bit, make it a little more personal, but it does make it a little bit easier. The second thing we implemented is called Help Scout. And Help Scout is a service, it's a ticketless ticket system. Oh. And so when a customer replies to one of the editors, it goes back to the editor, but it's all the same email address. If that editor's gone for the day, someone else will see it and be able to respond to it. Or they can say, this is safe to wait until tomorrow when she's back. Or maybe they'll reply to the customer and say, uh, you know, uh, Allison will be back tomorrow. I put this uh, in her folder and she'll respond to you then. So it really helped with the messaging. And rather than everybody having a unique email address and which if someone replies to that email address, they won't be able to intervene if Allison's gone. And so yes. that's uh, to the customer, it just looks like email. Uh, but on the back end, it's a ticket system and it makes handling a lot of clients uh, much easier because we do work with a lot of people, um, mm. probably about 
2,500 companies a year. So it's a, it's a lot. It's of a volume. lot of volume. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And from the customer service perspective, that is phenomenal too, quite honestly, because you are getting your message responded to, or at least know someone's out there. It's not going into a black hole of silence or, or something because inevitably you, you think it's urgent, but maybe it isn't. You know? right. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome to know. So do you have um, any war stories that, that are particularly fascinating thinking of the survey? Like, I mean, what would be the, the, the um, most surprising result you got on an AB test perhaps? Right. Well, uh, I, I, I test, uh, do AB tests uh, of landing pages. I do AB split testing of lots of things in my business. And I used to send a welcome little box to new customers and we would put uh, crab flavored potato chips in it because we're from Maryland and we're known for crabs. We put little fun things in there. I also put a book uh, that I'd written about press releases in there, but it was like almost like a bunch of confetti and party in a box. And I sent it uh, to all new customers. And then one of them replied to me and said, hey, Mickey, I really like your business and I like you, but I found that box to be very unprofessional. It was just too silly. And so uh, the old Mickey would have maybe gotten offended and yeah. said, forget you. But the, the, the analytical minded Mickey, who's, who's practicing his, 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 uh, marketing skills and, and, you know, developing that muscle said, well, let's test it. So I spent six months where, uh, a new customer either got a book with a well-written letter welcoming them, or they got the fun package. And then we looked at them over the next two years, that's six months, and it was a big difference. The people who got the welcome package with the fun and everything like that, their value was half that of the other people. Very the other people were, were did very well. And, and the only thing I could say is that person was right. For some reason, that fun package, as much as it fits my personality, it came across as being kind of silly and it made them think that maybe press releases or e-releases wasn't for them. And mm. so that was probably one of my most surprising things that I found. Um, but I'm glad that I handled it the way I did because uh, it, it, it was, it, I was costing myself money every time I was sending that box out, even though I was spending $30, $40 on that, each box that was going out. Yeah. And you would think that, create a little bit of fun, makes one memorable and right. just, uh, you know, I mean, that's really interesting and great that that uh, customer actually came back to you and, and sort of raised the the awareness that sure. you could actually test it. That is fascinating. It really is. Well, thank you for that. That's great. Sure. <laughs> Maybe more of us should do that type of thing. So you must have had significant challenges along the way in scaling your business. Have you had any particular techniques or secrets for overcoming hurdles along the way? Well, I found hiring to be very difficult. People would come in and they'd work for one to two years and they would leave. And I would get frustrated all the time because everybody was handling their phone calls in a way that wasn't me. I'm marketing minded because that's a skill set I have. So they'll tell someone, can you send this release out just locally? And they'll say no. 
And I would say, mm. hey, I would say, while we don't send out locally only, your release would go out nationally, but you could saturate it in a local market. And I feel like that's coming at the, from a place of yes. And yes. so I try to develop that skill with them. And what I found is over time, I would just get frustrated that these uh, employees weren't answering the way I would want it answered. I had done some level of education, but I just wasn't happy. And mm -hmm. I, my stress level was really high and the turnover rate was really high. And so I had a friend who was a high-priced HR consultant and she said, I'll come in and analyze your staff and see what the problem is. And she found that I had been hiring editors for editing skills. And she says, but the most important skill they have is customer service because they're interacting with your customers. You don't have salespeople, you have just editors. And she says, so I would hire more customer service minded people who have an English background or have impeccable editing and English skills that you could test for. And um, we started doing that. And then I got out of the office. I made someone managing editor who was more warm and friendly and less of a micromanager. And I got out of my way. So my stress level went way down and the staff started to stay a lot longer. They didn't like being micromanaged. And uh, at the end of the day, my, my, my HR consultant says, your customers love the customer service they get. So they're, they're doing something right. And they may not say everything the way you want it said, but they're not saying anything that probably costs you money. And so uh, I, I quit going into the office in April of 2015. And now I've got people who've been there since then. Uh, I think the average length that someone's been there now is like five years. And so that was really a game changer in the business of recognizing what skill set I was hiring for and what my strength is. My strength is not managing. I'm a bad manager. I'm a micromanager. And I just need to get out of my own way and, and focus on the marketing and st strategic part of the business and put in place someone who is a good manager and provides them the, the management skills that they need in a way that's not as confrontational and as a negative experience as being a micromanager. Right. Makes a lot of sense. That is phenomenal um, advice, quite honestly, because when one is a micromanager, it's a very hard skill to manage within yourself to try and move away from that. You you can, you can adjust it. But I have to question if we ever fully move away from that ability. So you almost needed to create that distance sure. and get someone who does have that skill set and allow you to focus in your zone of genius and, and excellence, which benefits the company as well as your ongoing employees. I mean, they probably love having you there when you stop by to see them because you're not managing them on a, on a daily basis. Yeah, um, absolutely. That is very valuable. So what trends do you see impacting your industry over the next, let's say, three to five years? Do you think it's that your, your niche is going to continue, grow, or change? I think it's going to continue to change. And I think that I've been very happy that the newswires have been very accepting of a lot of change. For example, uh, you know, the journalist that the newswire um, gives these press releases to has evolved. It includes bloggers. It includes social media influencers. 
there are some people on Instagram in the fashion industry that are 10 times more uh, important and uh, impactful than say even a fashion magazine. And so recognizing that uh, what media is, is evolved and incorporate social media is an, a, a changing thing. I also see a lot of movements towards video and I'm not sure how that impacts the press release, but I, I think that something is going to happen with that uh, over the next few years, the, 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 the move from print to video. Very interesting. So that's definitely an area we're going to have to watch because, I mean, certainly on social media, you notice a, a very large movement to go more. I mean, initially it was moving from the writing to having pictures, and now you're seeing a very large trend to video messaging. Yeah, that's going to be a very, very interesting trend to watch. You managed to scale a business just before the dot-com crash. In fact, I, I seem to think you got to multi-seven-figure businesses. So was there anything you learned from the experience and that you potentially are taking forward into these trends? The thing that I learned is that during – I went through the, uh, the dot-com crash and then the housing 2008 oh, wow. uh, problem as well. And what I found is that during both of those, my business increased and it was new customers coming in and they were like, we used to spend 20,000 a month in advertising and now we've slashed that to zero. So we're looking at trying to spend and allocate our money uh, better. And we, could we create like a PR campaign of four or five releases and only spend 12 or $1,500? And I'm like, yeah. And they're just like, wow. So we're going to give this a shot. So a lot of people spending money more wisely. It takes more time to develop a press release, to develop a strategy for what you're wanting to announce. But during times when the economy is not doing so well and businesses are, are, are you know, laying people off and dealing with shortfalls, they're, they're, they're being more creative. And uh, I find that that's a time where people are more receptive to, to PR. And maybe they've always been aware of PR and they put it off, but now they can actually address it and say, I've got the time, I've got the budget, and you know, I'm, I'm not allocating my time and uh, energy somewhere else, like on paid advertising or anything mm -hmm. like that. So um, that's, that's been very fortunate for me. Even during the pandemic, we saw a huge uptick um, in, in business. And I think it's just the same time when people are uncomfortable, the economy is uncomfortable, we don't know what's going on. It's a time for you to sort of go out there and carve some um, um, certainty in, in your marketplace and, and let your customers and potential customers and vendors know what you're doing and what you're about. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And maintain that visibility because it's hard when you're feeling like your business is struggling and you reining in, you know, tightening the belt, um, a lot of businesses I've noticed seem to curl into their shell and they almost become invisible, which is probably a bad thing to be right, doing. Because that can be very self-fulfilling that if you continue to withdraw and withdraw, your business is going to continue to decline and do worse. But if you recognize this is the level that we can maintain ourselves for now and what can we do creatively to try to grow the bubble or, you know, uh, get 
get some of momentum going, uh, you stand a really big chance that uh, you can continue to grow or stay the same, uh, which might be the healthy alternative that you're looking for. Right. Makes a lot of sense. So the clients that you assist and serve, are they covering any specific geographic areas? Or, I mean, I would think in the virtual world nowadays, you can help a wide variety of diverse we, customers. We can. But because we're focused predominantly on U.S. media, I would say most of our clients are uh, U.S. companies. Uh, we work with some Canadian, some Australian, U.K., other places, even internationally. Interesting. Um, but most of them, the common thing is they're trying to tap the U.S. media market. And so uh, that's that's our real skill set. We do offer some international distribution, but we are, by and large, the value is that national newswire distribution that we include. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And I mean, let's face it, the U.S. market is a very large market. And at the same time, if, if you don't know the ins and outs of getting your message out there, it's actually pretty tricky to do it, you know. So it's it's advantageous to use a service like yours that knows it in and out and can give you some really great advice. So is there anything that we haven't covered? Any particular thoughts you have in closing, perhaps? I don't think so. I would just challenge anyone who maybe feels like I'm not very newsworthy or important to still consider PR and recognize that there are things that you can do. I mentioned the survey and study as one. There are mm -hmm. avenues to getting PR for people who are doing something that everybody else is doing. Like if you're an auto repair shop in Pennsylvania, you haven't, you're not repairing a car any differently than say someone in another city or state. But that does not close you down to being a messenger of interesting content that the media would be receptive to receiving and sharing with their audience. And that's also, again, quite a good indication of, I mean, an auto repair shop in one location. One thinks, but I don't need national media. I want local media. So, I mean, that circles back to your comment earlier as well, that it's... Still advantageous. Right. Because your, your local audience is going to see all this national media that you've got. If you put share it on your website, share it with them through social media, Facebook, Twitter, things like that. So it serves as content for them. And it's a huge credibility indicator. Um, I have a carpet company in New Jersey that's got all this national uh, media attention working with us. And uh, uh, they, they, they put together a brag book. And they take it into awesome. every time they give a quote to a customer and they go through it and they convert 20% more customers just by using that brag book. And so they, they can actually say, this has brought so much more revenue, uh, percentage of revenue to the business. And it is when, when someone as a homeowner looks and they're like considering two companies, if yes. even though you might be around the same price, this company has been recognized nationally from Floor Trade Weekly, this publication, this publication, that's important. And that can be a really big indicator of where they want, the, you know, the, what what company they want to use. Yeah. And, and just gives that warm feeling of, yeah, you know, I think I'm going with quality. We've, I like we've what I'm seeing. We've made the best seeing. decision here. This is the company for us. Yeah. 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 Because our decisions are emotional at the end of the day. So if you can build up that aspect, not the hard facts, it's 
it's definitely got to be driving business. So if listeners want to get hold of you, uh, what's the best way of doing that? And obviously, we definitely want them to go and take a look at that link that you quoted earlier. Right. So uh, the website's ereleases.com. All of our social media is in the lower right there. We have uh, on the contact page of the site, our phone number, and we have chat available. I would recommend anyone who's considering PR to feel free to reach out with us by phone or by chat. Uh, we have no salespeople. We have no sales quotas. There's no commissions. So if you speak to an editor, they will very be very frank of, of you know what your industry is and what their, your chances of success are. Um, and you know if you're looking for strategic ideas, again, ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. And I recommend anybody uh, at any level to just watch it. It's less than an hour. And I guarantee you, you will know more strategically about PR after watching that than many PR firm professionals. Um, it's really good content. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. And I will definitely link that up on the show notes page. Thank you for joining us today. This has been such a fun conversation and so upbeat and encouraging, you know, in a down period when we're going through a pandemic where things are looking a bit gloomy for lots of businesses. This is an awesome opportunity to just get out there and do some fun things or explore new avenues, perhaps, that our listeners haven't done to this point. Thanks for joining us and have an awesome day. You're very welcome. Thank you. The Unlocking Business Growth Podcast is sponsored by Protea Consulting Professional Corporation. We help our clients translate their operating and accounting data into the strategy for business growth they're truly capable of. Subscribe to the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on iTunes, Google Play and Spotify to hear from other companies that have overcome growth challenges. Get a free copy of NOLA's latest book, The 5F Strategy, Bottom Line Growth in Any Economy Without Additional Sales and Marketing and download the financial growth scorecard at proteaconsulting.ca. Work with us to achieve your business potential. To find out if we're a fit for your business, email info at proteaconsulting.ca and follow the Unlocking Business Growth podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook.